Psalm chapter 9. And uh, of course, this is the, the psalm where David is praising God uh, for a number of things in this psalm. And uh, it, it seems that uh, the, abs- the, the rebellion with Absalom has been put down. And, and so, God, uh, so God, David takes this psalm to praise God for, uh, for, some, for various things. Now, I, I, I mentioned when we first started in this psalm that uh, even though this psalm is not, uh, is not con- could not be considered, I guess, for the most part, uh, what would be termed or considered a, an eschatological Psalm, in other words, speaking about things of the end time, but but yet there there are some implications here, and some of that we'll um, we'll just mention tonight because I I don't believe in reading and studying this. I, I do not believe that that is the uh, the thrust of David um, in in this particular context. Um, and so that uh, the uh, the the part that could could be uh, or, or could be used as an eschatological uh, point is verses three through uh, six, um, but we're we're going to apply them to to David's uh, to the context in which David is writing. So. So he began again with uh, praising God with his whole heart and showing forth or telling of his marvelous works. And uh, he said, I'll be glad and rejoice in thee. I'll sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. So, so then he, uh, he, he gives the, these reasons uh, that he is praising God in this context and, and doing that with his whole heart. And he begins that uh, because of the marvelous works in verse number one. And then he, he said, I'll praise him with my whole heart because God's because of God's wonderful name, verse number two. And then in verse number three, he will he says he will praise God with his whole heart because God turns back and overthrows those who may cause you trouble. Or he's talking about the enemies, the enemies of God. When mine enemies are turned back, they shall fall and perish at thy presence. And and this is where some people say that there's some uh, some uh, some leanings or some implications toward the last days because you know uh, David is talking about when mine enemies are turned back uh, and could be implying enemies of Israel, but uh, but it talks about they'll perish. The enemies will perish at the presence of God, and so. Um, but but again, I, we're not going to look at it from that aspect tonight, because I think the 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 tone of what David 
is saying has to do directly with the, the, uh, the rebellion of Absalom. And so, uh, so David is, in essence, he, he remembers God's wondrous works in the past and, and remembering God's wondrous works has, has produced strong faith in David for the present. Now, that in itself, to me, is a powerful tool. Because there, there is, uh, there's something about uh, humanity that, um, I, I don't know, maybe it's inherent in us. Maybe it's not. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a tool of the, the adversary that we have a tendency to forget things that God does for us in the past. You know, our, our memory can be very short at times. And, and then, you know, when present circumstances or uh, situations uh, that, that we are facing, you know, requires faith, then sometimes we kind of lose sight of the abilities of God, the power and ability of God to help us in our present circumstances. And if we would, would do like David and remember God's wondrous works in the past, you know, it, it's a, it could be a good faith builder that when we face a, a trial or, you know, a, a situation to, to be able to look in the past and say, you know what, God, God did this for me. Then, and if he did that for me then, then I know God can help me in this circumstance. Amen? And, and this is what David did. David didn't just remember the things that God did in the past, but there, there was a time that David iterated. He told about the help of God. Remember when uh, Israel is, is uh, in a standoff with, with the armies of the Philistines? Goliath's out there, you know, bragging and been out there 40 days talking about what he's going to do and, and send for Israel to send him a man and, and all of this kind of stuff. And David comes with bread and cheese for his brothers and sees the situation. And he goes to Saul. And tells Saul. I'll, I'll go fight this giant. And Saul. You know in, in essence. Saul was like you can't do that. I mean you're, you're a, a young kid. You know you've never been in a battle. You, you don't have any armor. You know and, and. I mean what can you do against this giant of a man. And, and here goes David. Well, there was a time in the past that I was keeping my father's sheep and, and a lion came out and tried to steal one of the young sheep. And I, 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 
I, I went after the lion and I killed the lion. And then there was another day that a bear came out and tried to steal one of the sheep and, and, and I killed the bear. And, and here's what he said. The God that delivered me out of the jaws of the lion and out of the 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 the, the paw or, or the the the, the the paws of the bear is the same God that will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. See, David found a great source of faith and confidence in God when he remembered what God had done for him in the past. Amen. Anybody got God's done something for you in the past? Well, every one of us. Every one of us. And so, and so when you begin to remember what God does in, in the, has done in the past, that can, again, that can be a, a faith builder. It can be a powerful tool for God's people to say, you know, if God did that then... God can do this now. Amen. So, the Lord's divine presence is the great defense of His people. Because David did say, when, when, you're, when my enemies are turned back, they shall, they shall fall and perish At thy presence. So again, the Lord's divine presence is the great defense of His people. His his presence ignites our spirits with courage. Look, consider Moses. I want you to look at Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 and 15. Exodus chapter 33. While you're looking there, Moses relied on the presence of the Lord to enable him to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. He he relied on the presence. Because in Exodus 33, 14 and 15, now this is God speaking. And he said, now this is God speaking to Moses. And he said, my presence shall go with you. My presence is going to be there. And I will give you rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, then carry us not up. So what Moses is saying here is that by implication is that he placed such an importance on the presence of God being with him and being with the children of Israel that if he couldn't depend on the presence of God, then he's asking God, don't even bother to carry us up from here. If you're not going to be there, then just don't bother to carry us 
up from here. But, but the Lord said again, my presence shall go with you. Aren't you glad for the presence of God? Because David said some things happened to my enemies in the presence of God. Or, or we can look at David who marched fearlessly through the valley of the shadow of death because he knew that God was with him. Let's look at Psalm 23 and verse number 4. What that valley of death is, we're not told. But whatever it was, then David had the assurance... That God was with him. Yea, he said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Here's the reason. For you are with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. I will Fear no evil. Why? Because God's with me. God's with me. You know, if, if you know that God is with you, then there's no reason to fear any enemies. There's no reason to fear the valley of the shadow of death. If you know God's with you, as with Moses and the children of Israel, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to worry about going into unknown places if you know that God is with you. Amen? Amen? God is with you. And so... So... Infused with the confidence of God's unfailing presence, then we can face whatever obstacles or opponents would stand in our way if we know that God is with us. Amen. Let me tell you, the, the, the continual presence of God is a Tremendous promise. It's a tremendous promise. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 20, He said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, do you believe God's with you always? God is with you always. It doesn't matter where you go, God's with you. If you're living for Him, God is with you always. Amen? That should be great confidence. Because the presence of God, just knowing that God is with me. 
He's everywhere I go. It doesn't matter where I find myself. If I find myself on the wrong side of town, I know the presence of God is with me. If I go to the grocery store, God is there. If I go to the courthouse, God is with me. Amen? And, and, and God is going to help me. His presence is going to help me to accomplish any and everything that God has tasked us to accomplish. Paul wrote in, in the book of Philippians chapter uh, 4 and verse number 13. And we, we misuse this scripture a whole lot. We misapply it a whole lot. Because Paul told the church in Philippi, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now we're, you know, we, we, we focus on that. And... Um, and, and it brings comfort, you know, to us when we think, if God will strengthen me, that there's nothing that I can not do. But that's, that's really not what Paul is saying. What Paul is talking about to the church at Philippi uh, is the, the things that God has commissioned you to do. Now, if God, if God has commanded, if God has commanded you to do something, then, then God will strengthen you. And you can do all things that God has commanded you to do. But, but we do that because of the presence of God. That presence strengthens us. It gives us strength. So again, the continual presence of God is a tremendous promise from God. Amen. If, if I am doing the will of God, then I don't have to worry about enemies that come against me. I don't have to worry about demonic opposition. Against the church. I don't, I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. Because I know according to the word of God. And what David is saying. Is that when it comes to things that oppose the people of God. Whatever form the enemy takes. Then they'll fall and they will perish at the presence of God. Amen. Does that make sense? The presence of God is a tremendous thing. It is a tremendous asset to the people of God. Amen. So, verse number 4, David says, continuing this, this thought from verse number 1, when he said, I, I will praise you with, with my whole heart.
And, I, and he's going to praise God with his whole heart because God upholds your right and, and your cause. David was confident that he had conducted himself righteously in full obedience to God's commandments. Now again, the context is Absalom's rebellion. You know, David in, in one of the previous Psalms, 4, 5, I think it was, you know, he's asking God to do some things to his enemies, but he, in, in a sense, is reminding God, now, now, I've not sinned, God. I've not done unrighteously. So, you know, what you do to them... I don't want you to do it to me because I have acted in a righteous manner. And so, so now David, uh, David is confident. He is confident because he said, you have, talking to the Lord, you have maintained my right and my cause. You have maintained that. For me, he he also acknowledged that God has always acted consistently with His own character. When He said, "Thou sattest in the throne, judging right," He said, "God, in this in this whole ordeal, in this whole process, you have sat in your throne and you have judged right." You have looked at everything that's going on. And you have maintained my right and my cause. And so when he talks about God sitting in his throne and, and judging, then he's acknowledging that God has always acted consistently with his own character. And can I tell you something this evening? God will never violate His own character. Amen. He'll never violate. Whatever the character of God is, He'll maintain that. No matter what the circumstance, the situation, anything, God is going to always act in a manner that upholds His character. And so David is, is acknowledging him in verse number 4 as a king or a judge that sits on the seat or on the throne of judgment. And he, and he tells God, you, you, have, you, you have maintained my cause. You have, you've maintained my right. There, there's two points here. That David is making number one. The Lord has always sat on his throne. He has never shirked his duty. As judge of the universe. He never vacates the bench of divine justice. He never fails to rule on any case. Amen. God has never vacated his role, he's never abdicated. His role as a king and judge. He rules on every case. On every 
case. Now sometimes his rule may not be as fast as we we would like for it to be. But he always acts on every case that's brought before him. He's not like the Supreme Court. See, the Supreme Court can accept or deny cases that is put before them. You know, you, you hear it sometimes in the news. You know, the United States Supreme Court has refused to, to accept the case of, and then they name the case. That, that means what, whatever that lower court has judged is going to stand because we're not going to hear this case. And, and then, of course, you know there are cases that they do. They do accept. But just because they accept a case and hear arguments in that case doesn't mean that the Supreme Court always acts expeditiously to, to make a ruling either for or against the case. Sometimes they hear arguments and it takes months. What's happening behind the scene? Oh, the clerks of the justices are researching court cases that would be similar to the case that they have, they have heard. They're doing research on the verdicts, why it was judged in the manner that it was judged and, and then they present all of that information to the, to the particular justice that they're clerking for. And then they get together and they discuss the case. And then they make a ruling on the case. And here's the thing. Once the Supreme Court makes a ruling on a particular case, that judgment is final. You can't carry it back down to a lower court. And say, well, we don't like the ruling of the Supreme Court. If it makes it to the Supreme Court, what you're, what you're saying is, if I can get it to, to that level, if I can get it that high, whatever their ruling is, I'm going to have to accept because their judgment is final. No higher court than the Supreme Court. As far as civil government it is concerned. But see, when, when God rules on a case, that ruling is final as well. And God, God it's not that, that, that when God delays His action on a case that He's trying to gather evidence and, you know, pro and con and all of this. It's not that God is doing research. God, God is God. And He knows why He rules quickly on some things and and why he doesn't own others. But the fact is. That he never fails to rule on any case. And David is acknowledging that. When he says to the Lord. You, you sat in your throne. Judging right. You have looked at my case. You've looked at my case. You've looked at what's been transpiring in my life. And, and the whole time that this has been unfolding and, and playing out, and now that it's all said and done, David's saying, you know what? I know, I know you never left your seat of judgment. 
And now you have judged because you judge every case and you have judged right. You've judged it right. The second point that David wants to make is that the Lord has always vindicated the righteous and pronounced judgment on the wicked. Did did you hear that? The Lord has always vindicated the righteous. And He has always pronounced judgment on the wicked. That's the reason that the the word is is very emphatic where, where God said... Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If there's any repaying to be done, I'll do the repaying. Because vengeance belongs to me. But, but listen, here, and here, here's the problem that some people have uh, quite frequently. Is that they want to exact vengeance themselves. They want to retaliate. And listen... If you retaliate, you take God completely out of the picture. Because God would say, if you're going to do it, no point in me doing it. But now here's the point that I want to make too. God is better at this than you and I. He's better at this. Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay. And I'm going to tell you, God's God's repaying, His rendering of justice is going to be more thorough than ours. See, one of the problems we have with that is, is, you know, God's justice, sometimes we don't see that. We don't see the effect of it. So we don't feel vindicated. We don't feel good about the judgment of God or the vengeance of God. It makes us feel really good to exact vengeance for our cause. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Makes you feel better. You know... Somebody wrongs you. You feel you feel that weight and that burden. First opportunity you get, buddy, you you do what? Give them a piece of your, and that makes you feel good, doesn't it? Don't don't lie now. It it, it makes your flesh feel good for the moment. You know, whoo, man, I told them. I sure told them. I, I, vind, I vindicated myself, and I'm going to tell you right now, it feels good. But see, the effects of that, the effects of that tongue lashing, or giving them a piece of your mind, or whatever it is, throwing a shoe at them, or or whatever it is, 
You know, that whatever effect that has on them, that's going to be the only effect there is. But if you'll leave that alone and take it to the Lord and let God deal with it. See, in David's case, we've talked about this weeks ago. In David's case, he, he could have exacted vengeance. Remember Shimei? We talked about him. He came out cussing and throwing rocks at David and, and kicking up dust. And, and, and Abishai saw all of that. And he, he just kind of went up to David and said, you let me, I'll take care of that. I'll go over there and I'll take his head clean off. He said, I'll smite him once. I won't have to do it again, David. David said, leave him alone. Just leave him alone. Then to deal with Sheba, in another incident, when David is suffering rebellion from Absalom, he could have exacted vengeance. And maybe it would have been justified in the, in the eyes of man. But David says, let it be. And then when you read that, in, in, the, in the Word of God, and we read those instances, it's like, David, what, I mean, what's wrong with you? You are the king. And you got a man that's throwing rocks at the king. And he's cussing the king. And he's kicking up dust at the king. You know, it's, it's kind of like... Um, Anybody remember? I don't remember what country it was in, Middle Eastern country. But remember when when George Bush was was president? Not the old man, but George W. Bush. And he he was in some Middle Eastern country. I don't, I don't remember which one. But he was given he was given a speech in in a room, and all of a sudden there was a a man in there that got mad. And took his shoe off and, and threw it at the president. Y'all remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, took his shoe off and I mean, just hurled it at, at the president. And the Secret Service, you know, was, was swarming that guy and he's trying to hurt the president. And the, and the president said, No, that's fine. Leave, leave him alone. He, he wasn't trying to hurt me, it, it's just a custom. By throwing his shoe at me, he's showing his displeasure with, with me. Now, you know, he could have said, you take him, you take him, and you take him out of here, and you lock him in jail. And that's what would have happened. But he said, just leave him alone. I understand he's upset with me right now. And according to his culture, he's displaying his unhappiness. And, but you look at that and you think, President Bush, what is wrong with you? If you don't do something with this guy, what's going to happen when somebody else, you know, is not throwing a shoe at you, but they're throwing something else at you? You need to make an example of this one and, and you look at the instances of David's life and it's like, 
What, what's wrong? You are the king. But he says, leave, leave them alone. And even in the end time of, his, of him suffering rebellion at the hands of Absalom, see, he, he still didn't want to, he still would not take up arms against his son or the men of Israel. In the mind of David, God's going to deal with this. God's going to deal with it. And, and God did deal with it. And it was dealt with very effectively by, by the Lord. And, and so, uh, and so he, he said, you know what? He has judged. God has judged. The rebellion has been put down. The, the ringleader of the rebellion, he's been executed. And, and I didn't have to do one thing. You know about it. See that that's the way God works. Remember that old song we used to sing? You know, I don't remember all of it. It's been a long time. You know, sometimes we sing songs that don't even make sense. But especially nowadays, pe- people do. I, I don't. We sang that song, uh, Victory, victory shall be mine. Oh, victory, victory shall be mine. Gonna hold my peace. Let the Lord fight my battles. Victory, victory shall be mine. See, here's the truth of it though. if, if, if If there's something... Well, let, let me back up and say this. And as God's people, there's going to be battles. There's going to be conflicts with other people. And you need to have the wisdom of God enough to know how to choose your battles. Because there's some battles not even worth fighting. And then there's some battles that if you seek the wisdom of God, you don't even open your mouth. God deal with it. There have been things come up in the past with people that used to be in this church that was not right. And I've had people tell me, you need to deal with this. You're the pastor. You need to deal with this. But you know what? I, I didn't feel the liberty to deal with this. Could, could I have done it? Oh, yeah. And I could have done it effectively. But see, in, in, the, in some situations, you just do like David. You hold your peace. You take it to God. You ask God for wisdom. And a lot of times, God deals with it. He deals with it very effectively. And you never have to open your mouth about anything. David said, you've sat on your throne and you have judged right. David said to me, this is, this is a hands-off issue. I'm suffering it. it it's affecting me. It's affecting my family. But, but this is a battle that God's going to have to deal with. 
This is a battle God is going to have to judge between me and the rebels. And then when it's all put down, David looks and he's praising God and he said, You did it. You sat on your throne and you judged right. Because you maintained my right and you maintained my cause. So there, as, as with David, there's going to be times that, that come up in your life that you just need to learn how to hold your peace because God can deal with things much more effectively than we. Amen? Amen? I've told other pastors that have brought, you know, questions and, you know, things to me. And I'm like, why don't you just, why don't you just not say anything for a while? Just don't, well, I got pressure from this one and I got pressure from that one to deal with it. And to, you know, and, but, and I get that. I understand that. Why don't you just not deal with it for a while and just, just talk to God about it. And just see what happens. If there's a time that you need to deal with it, God will let you know. Well, let's just see what happens. Only to come back and say, you know what? In this case, I did exactly what you said, and I watched God deal with that situation. God, God will rule on every case. Every case. Amen. And, and he said, David said, uh, I'm going, to, I'm going to, uh, to, to praise him with my whole heart. Because verse 5 and 6, because God rules and judges righteously. He said, thou hast rebuked the heathen. Thou hast destroyed the wicked. Thou hast put out their name forever and ever. O thou enemy, destructions are come to a perpetual end. And thou hast, thou hast destroyed cities. Their memorial is perished with them. Now, we, we could look at the history of Israel. I'm going to hit these two verses very briefly. We could look at the history of Israel. And we can understand that because God rules and judges righteously. It's like David said, God has rebuked the heathen. The nations that have risen up against him and his people. Now, let's look at it today. And let's, let's ask a couple of questions going way back into David's time and even past David or, or, or this side of David's time. Talking about the heathen and the destruction of them. Here's a question. Where are the Philistines today? We read about them in Scripture. Where are they today? They don't exist today. Where, where are the Assyrians? You know, we look at the, the Assyrians in Scripture. They were, they were a, a, a very warlike people. They were a world power. But because they opposed God and came against God's people, where are the Assyrians today? They don't exist. Now, Assyria 
and the and the country of Syria today, two two different two different peoples, two different nations. Even back in Scripture, there were two different nations. In fact, I I believe I believe that Syria would not exist today if 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 a king had demonstrated just a little bit of passion. When the old prophet came to the king and, and they were facing Syria and, and he said, I want you to take these arrows and I want you to smite the ground. And the old king just hit the ground three times and the Bible said he stopped. And God spoke to the, spoke to the prophet and said, you know what? If he'd, have, if he'd have done this not only three times, but if he'd have done this, and this is Trawick's translation, if he'd have hit it more than three times and did it with passion, he said, I'd have destroyed Syria forever. But because he didn't, then going to be a perpetual problem. So the Assyrians, where, where, where are they? What, what about the Babylonians? They, they were a world power. They're, they're the ones that, that, that took Judah into captivity. You talk about the Assyrians. They're the ones that took the northern tribes, Israel, into captivity. They were a world power. Where are they now? Because they opposed God and, and His people. They don't exist. The Babylonians took the southern kingdom. The, the, the two tribes of Judah uh, into, into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar took the prophet Ezekiel, who was the prophet to, to Judah in, in the, the years that they were in Babylonian captivity. They were a world-dominating power. Where are the Babylonians today? David said, because they rose up against God and, and against His people, God has judged and He's judged righteously. And all of these heathen nations that came against the people of God don't exist any longer today. And David said, because of that, I'm going to praise you with my whole heart. Because all the enemies you've put down, you've judged righteously. You've destroyed them. Amen. See what God does for His people when His people trust in the presence and the power of God. Amen. That's, that's why I want Him going with me everywhere I go. And I, I don't know He's there because, you know, I feel these tingles, you know. Because I don't feel tingles. All the time, but I know God's with me all the time. Amen. That's a fact of Scripture. I don't have to feel one thing to know that God's with me. You know, you ask somebody, well, is God with you? Well, I, you know, His power hadn't parted my hair today. You know, it hadn't given me these goosebumps today. I, I don't need to feel one thing. To know that God is with me. That is a fact of Scripture. So I don't need to feel anything to know that. And I want His presence with me.
I want Him looking at every case that I face. And I want Him to judge righteous judgment. I'm telling you in David's case, or as in David's case, God will, God does, and God will continue to do that for His people. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. My time is gone.